I'm Jerome Hudson, Breitbart News Entertainment Editor, author of the book 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump. Today I talked about Joe Biden. He gave a divisive speech in Atlanta, Georgia, pushing for voting laws that he knows Democrats don't have the votes to pass. It was quite stunning. Joe Biden calling Republicans essentially enemies of democracy. To me, it was just his latest sign that he's out of options and that he has reverted to what Democrats often revert to, just playing the race card to advance his failed agenda. I also talked about Anthony Fauci and his latest meltdown. It came before a Senate committee. Anthony Fauci played the victim card to Senator Rand Paul. Fauci talked about getting death threats to a man and a senator who had been beaten almost within an inch of his life. Anthony Fauci, of course, also refused to answer simple questions about his role in decision-making in the pandemic that has gotten worse under Joe Biden's watch. We're also joined on the program by Senator Roger Marshall, a medical doctor who went toe-to-toe with Anthony Fauci. We were also joined by Congressman Drew Ferguson of Georgia. We talked about Joe Biden's outrageous and enraged speech in Atlanta, Georgia. And Congressman Ferguson also talked about a pathway forward when he expects Republicans to take back control of Congress. But first, did you know there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than two million members and counting? AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most impactful conservative organizations in America. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. Stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. Join today at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. Biden's speech yesterday, which is where I want to start. Joe Biden, I think, went a long way to prove something that I've believed, I think, now for a few months, that his presidency is effectively over. I mean, what the country, or at least the people who tuned in live, probably very few, but certainly people who watched clips of Joe Biden giving a speech in Atlanta yesterday, what those people saw, I think, uh, was not presidential. I mean, he came off in many ways as a raging lunatic. I I have the audio clips. And, you know, if you haven't seen the speech, just do yourself a favor. There's no way that you will come away from watching Joe Biden's speech yesterday (laughs) thinking that uh, he, he, he is lucid or calm and commanding and in control at all. I mean, he's just screaming and yelling at the country um, about voting rights laws that have no future and no viability of actually ever even 
passing through Congress and making it to his desk for him to sign into law. He was arrogant and desperate and deranged, and he was divisive. He was very divisive, which is the exact opposite of what he actually campaigned on being. He was going to actually be this calming effect, the president that would that would heal the divide in America, which is always a fallacy. Like elections are are always uh, you know complicated things, emotionally driven. Like the country wasn't on the brink of civil war. I think a lot of people were just pissed off that a pandemic was actually happening. And their governors and mayors, in many cases, were telling them that they couldn't freely move around, literally. Like, business owners couldn't open up, couldn't operate their businesses. If you worked somewhere, you couldn't do that. Your kid couldn't go to school. Um, like, there wasn't a political civil war in this country. Like, a lot of people were just mad and angry. No one asked for Joe Biden to, to, to be this, this all-healing uh, politician. The dude has never actually proved to be any of the things that he that he that he promised he would be. But here, I think the American people were done another favor. Anytime that Joe Biden goes out and is in front of a camera and is talking is a good thing. I think the American people, particularly voters, particularly the ones who voted for Joe Biden under the guise believing that he would actually be this competent and accomplished statesman who would bring economic um, prosperity to the country uh, and who would command our armed services in a way that, you know, was 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 good. And he's nothing of that. And I think any time that he's in front of a camera and is talking, it is good education for those people who see their dollars being weaker right now, whose lives, I'm sure, in many ways, are, are worse off today, as many polls show, than they were a year ago, certainly under Trump, as bad as things were. But Joe Biden, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It, he's in Atlanta. Uh, he told, obviously, he, he, can't, he can't give a speech without lying. And he certainly did that about the voting laws on the books in Georgia, which a majority of Georgians actually agree with. I mean, he, he, is, he essentially said that democracy is threatened if there isn't widespread vote by mail. It's, it's, it's amazing. Let's let's get into some of the audio here. Here he is saying essentially that re Republicans think that too many people voting in Georgia is a bad thing. Clip three. For years, you've done the hard work of democracy, registering voters, educating voters, getting voters to the polls. You've built a broad coalition of voters, black, white, Latino, Asian American, urban, suburban, rural, working class and middle class, and it's worked. You've changed the state by bringing more people legally to the polls. That's how you won the historic elections of Senator Raphael Warnock and Senator John Ossoff. You did it. You did it the right way, the democratic way. And what's been the reaction of Republicans in Georgia? Choose the wrong way, the undemocratic way. To them, too many people voting in a democracy is a problem. <clears throat> so they're putting up obstacles. And he didn't actually give any specifics about what those obstacles are. They never do. Listen to the entire speech. There is no specificity at all. Joe Biden never actually talks about the laws on the books in Georgia. 
how these this series of voting laws that his own party can't pass. Like it's it's a very easy detail to forget. The Democrats have majorities in both the House and in the Senate. It's it's amazing to me what he doesn't say, what leftists on TV, what Democratic politicians don't actually say about the voting laws on the books in Georgia, which have windows of voting in which you can vote earlier in Georgia than you can in Joe Biden's own home state of Delaware. Also fascinating, aside from what what Joe Biden didn't say in this speech, is who actually didn't show up. There were several so-called Georgia voting rights groups that didn't attend this this event Tuesday with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Stacey Abrams didn't show up. Joe Biden later said that there was a scheduling conflict. If you're the president of the United States and you are Stacey Abrams, who is running for governor of Georgia again, which she is, you fix the schedule. No, Stacey Abrams is not an idiot. Think what you want of the woman. She is at least smart enough to know that six months from now, on the heels of that election that she's seeking the governorship of Georgia, six months from now, a photo op of her standing next to Joe Biden when his approval ratings are probably lower then than they are today is not going to be a good thing. And she probably knew what was going to happen, which is what did happen. A A man, a president who just comes off as a raging lunatic, screaming at the country, arguing for legislation that he knows is dead on arrival. And his own party, which is which has majorities in both chambers of Congress, can't even pass. And the only way that they can pass it, because in the Senate you need 60 votes to do any of this ridiculous voting, uh, federal takeover of election voting, because that's what it is. He wants to just blow up the filib- filibuster to do it. Democrat policies are unpopular. The entire country knows it. I think an Associated Press poll said that 6% of the country want voting rights bills prioritized. 94% of the country is is asking, is watching Joe Biden yell at them about voting rights. And is 94% of the country is saying, what the hell are you talking about? The economy, man. The fact that you keep telling us that, 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 that the coronavirus pandemic is your top priority, and that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's what Joe Biden's saying. And meanwhile, you're allowing hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants into the country. You're not even testing them, let alone vaccinating them. What the hell are you talking about, man? Nine in 10 Americans are out on this voting rights legislation. Here he is, I think, admitting defeat. He knows that he does not have the support of Democrat Senator Kirsten Sinema in Arizona or Democrat Senator Joe Manchin in West Virginia. He knows he doesn't have their support. He didn't have Joe Manchin's support on on the uh, voting rights legislation, let alone blowing up the filibuster to actually get it to pass on a simple majority vote. It'd be clip five. Sadly, the United States Senate, designed to be the world's greatest deliberative body, has been rendered a shell of its former self. Gives me no satisfaction in saying that as an institutionalist, as a man, was honored to serve in the Senate. But as an institutionalist, I believe that the threat to our democracy is so grave that we must find a way to pass these voting rights bills. Debate them. Vote. Let the majority prevail. And if that bare minimum is blocked, we have no option but to change the Senate rules, including getting rid of the filibuster for this. 
Joe Biden's presidency is over. I, I think right there he is a, he is admitting it again that he's done. He's absolutely done. He is on the heels of failing to pass what was supposed to be his signature legislation in this socialist spending boondoggle, Build Back Better. That is dead. That was his supposed to be his shining achievement as president. It's done. It's dead as far as Joe Manchin's concerned. And he's pivoted to this, something that an overwhelming majority of the country doesn't really think should be prioritized, voting rights bills. And he was incredibly divisive and turned off. I'm pretty sure anybody like just ask yourself, like, who did Joe Biden actually bring into the fold yesterday with this speech? It was a huge deal. He was shunned by voting rights groups in Georgia. He was shunned by the woman who wants to become that state's next governor. It's an admission of defeat in my eyes. And it's fascinating again to me who wasn't there and what Joe Biden didn't say in this speech. Right now, today, if you want, if you are a Georgia citizen in good legal standing, you can get a free photo ID card from the state. It'll have all the holograms and everything on it that you need to vote. What's sinister to me in many ways is the implication of what Joe Biden is saying is the implication of the Democrat National Committee that anybody essentially who is non-white is just too stupid to figure out a way and how to vote. The election's nine months from now. It's the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. It always is with Democrats. And I don't think that he's convinced anyone. And if anything, he's just, it's just more evidence to me that his presidency is over. I think it's a distraction in many ways. Maybe a good idea to pivot to this. It energizes the base, but Joe Biden doesn't really have a base problem. His polling numbers He's losing Hispanics. He's losing independence. Um, the base will maybe show up, I guess. I don't know in the midterms. Democrats are going to get shellacked anyway. None of this makes sense, but I applaud it and I celebrate it. There's a reason why Joe Biden has, has done fewer face-to-face -face interviews than his recent predecessors at this point in their presidency. Yesterday was proof of that. He's horrible in front of the camera. He's fumbling through the speech, he called Kamala Harris president again. He is coming off as a, a, a raging lunatic. But I bet all of his advisors are saying, yes, people want to see you angry. They want to see you passionate about an issue that the overwhelming majority of the country doesn't give a damn about. There are more, more non-white Georgians voting since 2008 when they passed what the Democrats are calling draconian voting laws. None of it makes any actual sense. It's all desperation and it's all divisiveness now. And I, and I love it. I want more Joe Biden in front of the camera. Kamala Harris was her same old embarrassing self, just feigning emotion. Like the, the woman is just emotionally dead. I got nothing out of it. Like the crowd, the first couple minutes of her speech, you know, it, you can as as a as a public speaker myself, I can tell you it is always awkward when the audience does not know an applause line when there is an applause line in the speech. And it happened right out of the gate. Kamala Harris's speech. I want to pivot uh, as well, though, here from there to Capitol Hill also yesterday. Just just an amazing amount. Uh, of news uh, happening yesterday. Anthony Fauci uh, testified 
uh, before the uh, Senate uh, committee and got into a knockdown, uh, drag out uh, arguments and debates with senators. Maybe you've heard the clips already of Rand Paul just questioning Anthony Fauci and Anthony Fauci is just losing it time and time again. Here is Senator Rand Paul um, just calling out Anthony Fauci about his rhetoric uh, and really triggering uh, the, the, the little man. Cut six. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you? The, the email you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me. If you look at the email that you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it, I can do it. We got something in Wired no, magazine. No, no, no. I think in you usual did. fashion, Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Did you First ever object all, to Dr. Collins's characterization of them as fringe? Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, no, they're not fringe, they're esteemed scientists, and it would be beneath I, me I did to not do that? You responded to him that you would do it, and you immediately got an article you, in Wired, you, and you sent it back to him and said, hey, look, I've got him. I nailed him in Wired of all scientific publications. That's not publications. what went on. You there you go again. That you just do the same thing every hearing. That was your response. And so, this, wasn't, so, this wasn't the only time. So your desire to take you're down people... You're incorrect. As usual, Senator, you no. are incorrect almost everything you well, said. Well, no, you deny. You deny. Right. But the emails tell the truth of this. No. Rand Paul is bringing up what the last thing that Dr. Anthony Fauci actually wants to talk about these emails. And we've seen documents it is is as early as Monday, a day before this Senate hearing Tuesday that show Anthony Fauci and Dr. Collins discussing the origins of COVID-19 and the theory, which I think is probably 90 percent of people uh, are thinking that it leaked from a lab in Wuhan. And in that lab, it was gain of function research being done, taking back coronaviruses and souping them up, engineering them so that they actually spread from human to human at a, at a more rapid rate than they originally might have done before any sort of engineering was done to them. These emails were February 2020. So this is the time frame in which these types of conversations would be happening. How did this happen? Where did this virus come from? Where did it originate? And Senator Paul, I, I'm telling you, this is the last thing that Anthony Fauci wants to actually talk about. And so instead of actually answering the question, Anthony Fauci dives into an attack on Senator Paul. And it was a constant thing with with Anthony Fauci being combative, avoiding the answers to the question. I, th I think he's done. I, I think he's been done for quite some time being the face of and the source of information for the White House on this on this pandemic. But he'll he'll never leave. He'll never resign. He'll never be asked to resign, which hurts the country. It certainly hurts the country. The image of Anthony Fauci holding up a sign suggesting that his life is, has been threatened, like nobody wants death threats at Anthony Fauci. But Anthony Fauci is in a unique class of public servant where he's handling a very controversial uh, topic. But to lecture someone like Rand Paul, who has actually been beaten within an inch of his life by his own neighbor about death threats. I mean, there's out of touch with reality. And then there's that cut seven. It's it's disappointing for you to suggest that people who dare to question you are responsible somehow for violent threats. Realize that by attacking me, you're attacking the one member who actually has suffered from violent attacks. I was at the ball field today. Steve Scalise almost died. 
I was 10 feet away from a staffer who was shot in the leg. We had over 160 rounds of semi-automatic weapons fired at us, ammunition. So for you to somehow suggest that somehow I or people who dare to oppose you are responsible for threats, that's insulting. I think the story that's probably caught the headlines the most, and again, exposes Anthony Fauci as just being an arrogant, enraged little man at this point. I, I think that's what the majority, the majority of the country just wants him gone anyway, is him calling Senator Roger Marshall a moron. Like this, this, this is what Anthony Fauci, I think, always has been just completely out of touch with the majority of the country going through the thing that he is supposed to be, you know, sort of the 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 ultimate communicator on the guy never really apologizes. He never actually humbles himself and says that, yes, my agency has made mistakes and he never will. He'll never fess up to to anything like his agency actually trying to do the type of research on bat coronaviruses that other government agencies have have deemed and ruled too dangerous to do. But yet and still, Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins, they wanted funding for this stuff. He doesn't get his way. He's angry. If he's questioned, Senator Roger Marshalls was just asking Dr. Anthony Fauci if he would submit himself to the same financial disclosures that every other high-ranking official in the government is expected to do. Anthony Fauci doesn't want to be questioned. How dare you question me? And he got caught. He got caught name-calling like a child, a, a sitting United States senator, clip nine. We look senator forward to reviewing totally incorrect. Well, we look Marshall, forward to reviewing it. Senator Marshall, Dr. Fauci has answered you. It is public information, and he's happy to give it to you if you would ask. Senator Moran. What a moron. There's your government. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed. Everything is getting expensive. We're in the biggest economic crisis since 2008, with a government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years. Inflation is certainly here to stay. And if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So, how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They are the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualified order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660. Or text ALEX to 65532. Again, that's 866-670-7660. Or text ALEX to 65532.
first guest joining the program is Senator Roger Marshall, Republican from Kansas. He had a combative back and forth with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who appeared before the Senate committee and refused to answer simple questions. Senator Marshall simply asked Dr. Anthony Fauci if he would submit to Congress and the public any financial disclosures that includes his past and current investments. The senator was simply trying to get to the bottom of a question that many have asked. Does the financial investments that Dr. Anthony Fauci make have any bearing on the decision making that he's made throughout this pandemic? Senator, welcome to the program. Jerome, the fight's on. Your your intro was spot on. We have to be fighting today and just appreciate what Breitbart does uh, to keep your listeners informed. Well, thank you. We certainly appreciate that. And I think a lot of people appreciate appreciated you doing something that I don't think Dr. Anthony Fauci is accustomed to. He should be, uh, but I don't think he is. And that's being held accountable. It seemed to me that uh, it's very interesting that he was most combative with yourself and Dr. Rand Paul, the only two medical doctors on the committee uh, yesterday. It's It's pretty interesting. But you were sort of asking him a simple, basic question when he when he lost it on you, um, just, you know, asking him to disclose financial disclosures, you know, his past and current investments. It seemed like a fair question. Um, but what was what was your take on Dr. Anthony Fauci's performance yesterday? Well, you're, you're right. These are simple questions. This is a question that Kansans ask me most every day. Based upon his horrible decision-making, 800,000 people dead, uh, his socialistic policies, does Dr. Fauci have a financial conflict uh, with his decisions, right? And basically, I asked Dr. Fauci, will you make your financial records uh, public? And he is so deceitful. Uh, He is so misleading. He said he has to file a a financial uh, record every year, which he does, but it's not available to the public. And that's my point. We'll go through a a FOIA application for it, uh, which we have other FOIAs out there. It'll take months, if not years. Uh, The press is scrambling. I'm sure you guys are scrambling. You guys should call Dr. Fauci's office. I hope you do and say, hey, you said that these these financials are available. Let's see them. Uh, And let's put this to rest. That should not be a tough question. He's the highest paid employee in the federal government, making $434,000 a year. He oversees $5 billion of federal grants, which do choose winners and losers. Uh, He knows about inside information months, if not years, before a congressman or a senator would. I think this is a very reasonable request, but this is why he's lost his reputation. He's deceitful, and Americans know that. Yeah, I think you're touching on something that's very important. Like there is a lot of anger uh, in the country and frustration right now uh, from hundreds of millions of Americans whose lives have been upended by a virus that I think a majority of the people who care enough to be informed about this believe that came out of the Wuhan lab. Uh, in China. And Anthony Fauci, is, as much as we've seen or as much that has unfortunately had to been leaked to the to the American public, Dr. Anthony Fauci has his fingerprints all over it. And I think your questions and Dr. Rand Paul's questions 
They put they put Anthony Fauci in the in the last place that he wants to be in a, a situation in which he has to be accountable. He has to actually answer questions. You shouldn't have to or or Breitbart News or any other organization shouldn't have to actually put in a FOIA request to get answers about Dr. Anthony Fauci's financial history. He if 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 he had nothing to hide is my point, and then it wouldn't it shouldn't be as hard as as it is to just get basic and simple <laughs> answers from him. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the point. If he'd been totally transparent uh, from day one, even transparent with President Trump, hiding information from President Trump uh, about what you're saying is that very early on, and we found an email exchange um, over the house, my friends over in the house did, uh, that says that Fauci knew uh, that, that the very significant possibility this came from a laboratory uh, as opposed to uh, something from nature. I think that would have definitely impacted President Trump's decision-making early on. Uh, one of the things that we talked about yesterday was viral gain of function, a very simple question. Dr. Fauci has testified to Congress that he has not funded viral gain of function. We found a report um, just uh, two, days, two days ago, and, and I made, brought to my attention yesterday, that a, a, a study, a research project that the Department of Defense turned down because it was viral gain of function, that very possibly Dr. Fauci funded it. And all he had to say is, no, is no, we didn't. But again, he gave us a very misleading answer. Right. And he's using legally to say, oh, that, that study, that research project was not viral gain of function. Uh, so he is lawyered up. He's a professional politician. He's been here for 40 years. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Hillary Clinton when he said all President Trump supporters are deplorables. When I sit there and listen to him testify, he's so condescending. He uh, absolutely knows what's best for you and your family, that one size fits all. And by gosh, he is science. Senator Roger Marshall uh, (laughs) joining the program right now. Um, There is, I kind of have like a five, a top five or top six um, issues that I think that, you know, hopefully uh, when your party takes control of the Senate, um, that we can really start to, 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 to get some plans around actually um, getting these tech corporations like Twitter to a place where they don't get away, Senator, um, with actually stifling the dissemination of information. You alluded to the report that was put out by this Project Veritas-backed Twitter yes. account um, that showed the connection between EcoHealth Alliance and how it approached uh, DARPA in 2018. And was this, this type of gain-of-function research, Senator, I don't have to tell you this, but for the audience, it was rejected. And Dr. Anthony Fauci, under his direction, the NIAID went ahead with the research in the Wuhan lab in China anyway. And we are where we are today. And you're absolutely right about him uh, obfuscating and, and dancing around and never actually answering the question uh, head on. But there is another very large elephant in the room in which an American company like Twitter can actually stifle this information. This information should be very public. And, 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 and this, this company should not have the power to actually uh, stop the dissemination of information. But here they are again. They did it during the general election, and they're trying to keep the public in the dark about something that has affected every single human being in this country. 
Yes, Project Veritas is under attack by the FBI, by the federal government. And I'm begging your listeners to write, reach out to your congressmen, to your senators on both sides of the aisle. Twitter uh, took down a very simple video that just said, hey, this is what it looks like. You described it very, very nicely, a bio-gain-of-function study uh, turned down by the Department of Defense. But it looks like uh, NIH funded it under Dr. Fauci's leadership, uh, research on a virus, viruses uh, in Wuhan, China. And this isn't the first article like this, but for mm-hmm. Twitter to take that down is absolutely unconstitutional attack on our God-given freedoms. Uh, and then for the FBI to attack Project Veritas and, and go into a, a reporter's house and seize his phone um, is just beyond me. We've got, we've got, we are going to do something about this. We'll be leading the fight. But really, I need your, your listeners to help us out. And maybe you can get something on your website to kind of help us frame the letter. Or they can go to um, our, some of our social media, and we'll be framing this conversation a little bit better so your listeners have a better idea why we're so upset. Yeah, no, I, 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 I appreciate that. And Breitbart News is certainly um, trying to make – in 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 report out and explain to our audience who is you know the smartest and most informed and most engaged audience uh on the planet about the the danger of these technology companies i just i just i just want for you know your conference uh and your party because the democrats i don't think maybe maybe you'll have something like an ally and somebody like elizabeth warren maybe um, but I think it's going to the onus is going to be on the Republican s- senators in the majority um, to come up with some legislation. And, and, and I don't know exactly how it looks, uh, how it looks in, yep. in what form it could be. Um, and of course, you know, you'd have to have a different president uh, to sign it. But, but that's kind of the point. Democrats benefit from these technology companies. It's an incestuous relationship between the executives and the Democrat Party. Um, and, you know, just it, 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 there has to, it has to stop because they're only getting more powerful and the stakes are only getting higher. Yep, Jerome, you, you nailed it. Uh, the Democrats are just going to make noise about this, but it will never be a priority for them. Big tech bought and paid for Joe Biden. That was very clear that they financed his election um, so they're going to make a lot of noise about it. It'll be up for Republicans to lead on this issue. And I, I have every reason to believe that we will, that it is a priority. Uh, it does impact our freedom of speech. Whenever you have two or three companies controlling any industry, it's a big deal. And that is a theme throughout the United States right now is three or four companies. I think of pharmacy benefit managers, how they control three of uh, three of them control 90 percent of the prescriptions out there, driving up the cost of prescriptions. It's happening in the meatpacking industry. Uh, So many industries are consolidating. And remember, why are they consolidating? Whenever big government makes more and more rules, small businesses cannot survive. We can't, every small business can't hire an HR person and, and a compliance officers and all the things it does. So there is consequences to all these rules and regulations that have been made by the United States Congress. Senator Roger Marshall joining us uh, right now, Republican from Kansas. Senator, um, I watched Joe Biden's speech in Atlanta yesterday, and uh, an Associated Press poll says that only 6% uh, 
of the American voters want voting bills to be prioritized. Um, I think a majority of the country um, agrees with the types of laws uh, that uh, Governor Brian Kemp signed into law earlier uh, in, the, in the spring of last year. I, I, a majority of Georgians agree with those common sense voter integrity laws. To me, Joe Biden, um, I, I like when Joe Biden is in front of the camera and in giving a speech, Senator, because it is a healthy dose of, of, of the height of incompetence, which his entire administration and his presidency has become. He's on the heels of, of, of failing to get his signature legislation and build back better passed. And he pivots to that by essentially attacking the American people and painting anybody who stands in his way on this series of voting bills as enemies of democracy. I think it's embarrassing. It's absolutely divisive and is the opposite of what Joe Biden said that he was going to be as a president. Um, but but this 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 ultimately hurts the country. I think politically it, it will in the end benefit Republicans. But this is this is this is pretty shameful stuff that the president of the United States is saying to the country. Yes, let's give him more rope. Let's give him more microphones. Let America hear this radical leftist socialist policies that this president is espousing. Right. Um, let, let's talk about voter voter uh, voter integrity right now. Ballot in, integrity. I, I want to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. It's that simple. Easier to vote, harder to cheat. President Biden has a solution in search of a problem. Constitution clearly says the state, the state government shall determine the time, matter, and place of election. So first of all, the law is unconstitutional. The bill is unconstitutional that they're, they're pushing. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? If it's not broke, let's not fix it. Uh, the people of Georgia have decided to improve their election integrity. They've made it harder to cheat and easier to vote. That should be the goal of it. But the system that may work in Georgia may not work best in my home state of Kansas, where we have great election integrity. Uh, number one issue is still going to remain this voter ID. I do not want Nancy Pelosi telling my home state of Kansas that we cannot require voter ID. We don't want to pay candidates for uh, offices a salary, and we don't want our own funds to be used for a different candidate as well. And that's just, that's just the start of what's wrong with this legislation. But, but mostly, I think it's unconstitutional. And, and again, um, let's let the people of Detroit, Georgia determine the best way to, pro to provide for the sanctity of our elections. Uh, Senator, you had Pete Buttigieg, Transportation Secretary, out in Los Angeles standing at a port flanked by the mayor of that city and 12 other, uh, a dozen other officials. And he touted, you know, his job as Transportation Secretary and avoiding a supply chain crisis. He gave that, that, that speech that is completely divorced from reality. Like there are multiple reports from coast to coast, from Alaska to South Carolina, Senator, of empty uh, shelves. And that has a lot to do with a broken supply chain in this country. Um, and it, 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 that speech uh, <laughs> you know, was, was, came a day before we're going to get here estimations on inflation uh, they've never been higher uh, in four decades in this country. 
Right. So one of my best friends had a saying, everyone rises to their level of incompetence. And many people in this administration have found their level of incompetence. Um, Look, this is another crisis created by this administration. We had a truck driver shortage before COVID, and now it's exacerbated. It's exacerbated because this White House is paying people more to stay at home than to go to work. There was a time during uh, this crisis, this uh, health care crisis, that we were paying a family of four up to $108,000 a year to not work. I don't know what truck drivers make across the nation, but in Kansas, I don't know, $70,000 is a pretty good salary for a truck driver. Why would you go to work when the government's going to pay you more? And then they have the, the union issues there uh, at those ports that if you're not a union worker, they're not going to let you in to get your truck in there. Uh, it's just one problem after another, a compounding of errors by this president. But you know, now they're trying to roll out, roll out Pete Buttigieg as their next uh, candidate for president. Uh, they thought it was going to be Kamala Harris, but obviously she, she hasn't passed the test. She, was, she found her level of incompetence. So they're, they're going to uh, see what Pete Buttigieg looks like out there and do everything to, they can to make him look like our next savior. Uh, but really, the responsibility of the supply chain crisis goes on the back of President Joe Biden and his radical policies. People's dollars, Senator, are not uh, they're not traveling as far as they used to. And it's and it's it's also a labor shortage. The employer mandate went into effect on Monday in the middle of one of the worst collection of crises that this country has faced. The president, his administration are backing mandates that are making it harder for people to find uh, workers. We can't. We don't have enough teachers in this country. We 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 don't have enough airline staffers to get planes on time, landing and taking off at the same time. I mean, I I so much of me just doesn't care about the politics of it because I'm pretty sure that'll work itself out. But I'm starting to think that like we're going to hit a critical mass, and it and it, and it hinging on you know the Supreme Court ruling the mandate. Um, uh, uh, unconstitutional and rolling it back, you know, that that would it's it always feels like it's one step forward and three steps back with this administration. We don't talk enough about the immigration crisis that continues to happen um, with some sectors uh, down at the border, seeing just historic numbers of people flooding over it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to belabor the point, but it feels like it's critical mass and he's out here screaming at the country about election laws that he knows have no chance of, of being signed. It just I know that there are better days on the horizon, but there are a lot of people out there hurting, Senator. And so much of this yes. could, could be avoided. Yes, the, the number one in A and one B issues back home are inflation and mandates. Okay. Uh, so, so you've nailed it. We have it, the critical mass in health care, 30 some thousand health care workers in New York quit. So as this Omicron is spiking, they're having to bring in National Guard officers who will have a mandate this uh, summer. So and they're going to lose half of their soldiers as well. Right. So it's just one problem after another, a compounding of errors. And, and now we have a mandate over a, a vaccine that doesn't work. Uh, where does this insanity stop? Uh, I, ju- I just I don't know what to say, except we have horrible decision makers that double down on bad decisions. And this 
uh, this compounding of bad decisions is coming to roost. I've never seen uh, an electorate that's so angry. The people of Kansas, when I do my town halls, I've never seen people so angry, so frustrated, so burned out. Every day, my phone blowing up. Friends that I went to medical school with saying uh, that are now doctors, have been doctors uh, in institutions for 30, 40 years, saying, I'm going to lose my job. Is there anything you can do about this vaccine mandate? Uh, these are knowledgeable people. They've decided yeah. with much deliberation and prayer that the vaccine's not right for them. But here we have a federal government mandate that is, and it's exacerbating supply chain disruption, all those things, right? We, we don't live in silos. One decision, a vaccine mandate, does not impact just our health. It impacts the supply chain. In fact, some of the things, last point I'll make on this, and you're starting, you know, let's go to the border. I found out yesterday, thanks to Susan Collins, uh, this, the federal government diverted about $2 billion, and someone's going to have to fact check me, but I think it's almost $2 billion from the border uh, to help move people. Uh, I'm sure they diverted the money from some of the, the – uh, the COVID relief dollars. I'm sorry, they diverted about $2 billion of COVID relief dollars to move people from the border and bring them to homes and cities like yours. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it it's, never stops. It never yeah. ends. Um, Senator, I thank you so much for joining the program this morning. And uh, yeah, definitely keep up the fight. We're in, Jerome. We're, we'll keep fighting. Appreciate your listeners and uh, keep reaching out to their their own Congress members and senators. Thanks so much, and God bless. Thank you. Our second guest was Congressman Drew Ferguson, a Republican representing the 3rd District in Georgia. Congressman Ferguson called out Joe Biden, who gave a really divisive speech about voting laws in Atlanta, Georgia. The congressman also laid out what the Republicans plan to do should they take the majority in the House of Representatives this November? He actually made it a point. He believes our House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, plans to prioritize oversight and investigations and actually getting to the bottom of the origins of the pandemic, as well as immigration and, and the spending on coronavirus in the United States government. Welcome to the program, Congressman. Glad to be with you today. And, uh, Lot, a lot going on, not only in D.C., but around the country. A lot of things to talk about. Yeah, these are these are the easy uh, programs to prep for, Congressman. You, uh, I'm sure, watched uh, President Joe Biden's speech yesterday in Atlanta. Um, I, I had a few thoughts coming away from it. I thought it was uh, wholly embarrassing and 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 just just pretty horrifying sort of the uh the, the rhetorical concepts that that Joe Biden was 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 throwing out there in that if you disagree with his agenda in passing, you know, basically federal takeovers of, of our election process, then you are an enemy of democracy. Um, and, you know, he's far from the, the healer and uniter that he that he that he campaigned and said that he would be. And and beyond that, I mean, it's it's pretty insulting to go there um, in in that hollowed ground, uh, and 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 just uh, just attack people on an issue that he knows he just he just doesn't have support for. It's it's awfully patronizing. Um, but what was your thoughts? Well, I mean, you you were you were 
you're probably more kind in your assessment than, than my initial reaction. Yeah. Um, and I say that facetiously. I'm, listen, I agree with you. The, the, the word that comes to mind is condescension. Um, and, but this is what we see from the elite left all the time. They know better. Their job is to save Americans from themselves, and they want total control of our lives. And when you start, one of the things that's been very disturbing um, this term in Congress has been the attack on the First Amendment. Yeah. And we've seen it in the House rules. We see it um, We see it in social media. We see it in, in the mainstream media. We, we hear it constantly from our colleagues on the other side of the aisle. But if you disagree with, with their thought or their agenda, um, then you must, be, you must be silenced and canceled. And that is now extending to the ballot box. Um, if you're not willing to vote with them, then you, your, your vote shouldn't, you know, sh- should be undermined. Yeah. And that's something that we're seeing. We're seeing this huge push right now from the Democrats to pass this this unconstitutional um, law, HR one and and HR four. And we can get into the mer- into the details of that. But they're bad for America, and they they are set up to guarantee one party control of America for the next generation, and that is flat wrong. Yeah, and you know, it's it's hard to sort of to to look at Joe Biden give that speech. You know, a couple weeks removed from him being able to you know have to accept the fact that his social spending bill is dead. Like the country, like a lot of people in this country are hurting right now, you know, particularly business owners, particularly the people who are tasked with jobs in law enforcement, uh, you know, teachers, um, these very critical positions in which this this virus is making people sick. Um, the mandates um, are, are putting people in impossible positions to make decisions about their health that they shouldn't be. It's all exacerbating the problem. And he's giving he's he's giving this raging mad speech about about voting rights and like anybody who is lawfully and legally of age and allowed to vote in this country can vote in this country, specifically in Georgia. After, you know, enacting the photo ID laws in 2008, like there have been more non-white citizens to be able to vote. And that's kind of the sinister part of this as well. It's the implication that this is an attack on 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 racial minorities when when you had so-called civil rights groups in Georgia didn't even show up to Joe Biden's speech. Stacey Abrams is smart enough to stay away from him and not and not get caught in a photo op standing next to him. Uh, Look, Georgia, Georgia has done a lot of work to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And, I, and, and we as Americans, and particularly as Georgians, we should be fighting every year to increase access, but simultaneously um, increase the integrity of the vote. And it's not a false choice. It's not what, the, what, what, what our colleagues on the other side of the aisle say um, and what Democrats push for is one or the other. And I think, I think America can, can achieve both. And, you know, what, to, to come to Georgia... And for Biden to, to be as divisive um, as he was, I, I, again, condescension is the word that comes to mind. Hmm. Well, he's, if, if you listen to his rhetoric now and you listen to 
you listen to his speech that he gave on January the 6th, it was this same basic attack on half of the country. Not a third of the country, not a quarter of the country, half the country. And he is, he is, he is waging war on, on conservatives, and it's going to backfire, and it's going to lead to, the, and ultimately, to the demise of the, the Democrat Socialist Party. America, listen, I travel the country a lot right now. You're obviously, you know, you have, you have guests on from around the country. Take, take the, the Republican label off of, off of me for just a second. And when I talk to men and women around the country, they don't want what the, what, what the big government socialists in the Democratic Party are selling right now. Americans want a good, solid job. They want a decent place that's safe to come home to at night. They want their kids educated, and they want to be left alone to be who they want to be in this great country. They don't want more government control of their lives. They don't want a government dictating the terms of the economy. They don't want a government that opens our borders and defunds the police. They don't want a government that is micromanaging the classroom and teaching our children to hate this country and hate one another. And Americans are sick and tired of being told where they can go, where they can't go, how they go there. Do you have to have a vaccine passport and all of that? Americans are sick and tired of this. And there is going to be enormous pushback, enormous pushback on this because Americans, I think this next, I think the midterm elections and I think the next presidential election will be the first one that I can remember where issues of individual liberty and personal freedom rise to the top of the issue chain. Um, and and they're, they're going to drive people to vote differently than they have in the past. Congressman Drew Ferguson representing the third district of Georgia. He's also chief deputy whip joining the program right now. Congressman, um, you know, I'm entertainment editor at, at Breitbart news. And so I, I know that, uh, Senator Raphael Warnock will be on the view later today. Um, and I just, I look at that and, you know, it's all choreographed. Um, it's all a song and dance. Joe Biden goes and gives this divisive speech on Tuesday. Raphael Warnock shows up on a very friendly Disney owned program on Wednesday. I get it. But, you know, what is the state of Georgia right now? I, I cannot think of anything that John Ossoff, for that matter, or Raphael Warnock have done uh, for the state of Georgia. Uh, Raphael Warnock is going to be up for reelection uh, in that seat in November. But but, um, you know, I'm from Savannah, Georgia. I visit home often. Um, but 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 what's your sense of the state? Um, because it's 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 in play now. You know, I, I think it is up for grabs. Yeah, Georgia. Georgia is a, is a fast growing state, and we have done. Georgia has 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 been growing. It's been changing. Um, the demographics are changing, and and quite candidly, around the state, the different areas of the state, the the those areas are represented by parties that are different than what they used to be represented by. I'll give you an example. Um, used to be back in the late 70s, early 80s, um, and even forward, all of the Republicans were, were uh, coalesced in Metro Atlanta and Athens, Georgia. Those yeah. were the two red spots on the, on the red-blue map in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Since that time, it's changed dramatically. It's almost flipped. 
the blue is in around the universities, around the wealthy uh, parts of Atlanta, and those are represented by, by Democrats. And the rural parts of the state, um, where the working men and women are, are represented by, by Republicans. So the state has changed in a lot of ways. But right now, here's what I know about the state. The Georgians, Georgians are thankful to live in a state where they get to have a choice in their career and in, in their, in their safety and their decision of how they're going to take care of themselves, about the freedom to go to work. Um, there, there, there's a real, there, there's a real appreciation for that in the state of Georgia. Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff have voted the wrong way every single time when it comes to the economy and public safety and education um, and personal liberty. And I think that I think that the U.S. Senate seat, particularly with Raphael Warnock, is in play. Yeah. And it's going to be in play because people are pushing back against this, 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 these crazy ideas that the big government socialists are pushing. And, and I just I really do think that Georgia, it, it's still a it's still a center right state. Um, and, and I believe that what you're seeing with, uh, with Governor Kemp, um, what you're seeing with, you know, with, with, with the Senate races there, um, even 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 house races, I think the enthusiasm is very high on our side, and I think it is. I think it is very much depressed on the uh, on the Democrat side because you know what the Democrats are disappointed. It's not what they. It's surely Joe Biden and the Democrats are not what Republicans wanted, and it's not what even most of the Democrats signed up for. Um, we had uh, very good interviews with uh, Kevin McCarthy, our own Matt Boyle did. And my, my question to you, Congressman, is how big of a priority is investigations going to be? Uh, I'm going to say when uh, your, your conference takes majority uh, in the House in 2022, because seeing Senator Ted Cruz asked a high-ranking official from the Justice Department if the FBI had played any role in the events on January 6th, and this woman uh, not actually be able to answer simple yes or no questions. To see, you know, DHS saying now that they've lost what they're saying is 50,000 migrants who've been released by the agency into the into the country, and on and on and on. Not to mention uh, getting to the actual bottom of the the origin of 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 the coronavirus like it, it I, i'm again my question is how big are getting these answers holding the investigations not the sham thing that nancy pelosi is doing with january 6 but actual investigatory investigations and getting to the bottom how big of a priority is that going to be because i i believe it's important if we're actually going to to be able to solve the problems we have to find out the root causes uh, listen, I, Leader McCarthy has has made it clear to to the conference that that oversight and getting to the bottom of of so many things um, that that have gone on under this administration and under the leadership of Nancy Pelosi is is going to be one of the highest priorities. I, I think when I when I talk to a lot of voters around the not just in my in my home district and home state but around the country, they are. They are really frustrated by the fact that there's never any 
there's no one is ever held accountable and there's no real justice um, that, that ever goes on. Um, it, it just people just it just seems to go away and people raise cane about it for a little while, but nobody's ever held accountable. I can tell you, I really do believe that the majority that's being built in the House of Representatives has had enough of that, and they are going to go to the mat to get to the bottom of everything from the origins of the, of, you know, of coronavirus. Um, I, I, I don't know if you saw last night uh, uh, Jamie Comer with the Oversight Committee, um, the OGR Committee. He, they, they uncovered some emails. Um, and made them public about about how Fauci actually was was told that that the Wuhan virus, you know, that the that the coronavirus COVID came from probably most likely the Wuhan Wuhan lab in China. Yep. When all of that was said and done, um, and talked to his advisory committee a few days later. It's basically like they covered up the entire thing yeah. and said, if you if you mention that, it's going to be a conspiracy theory. Yeah, those kinds of things. Getting to the fraud, the bottom of the fraud in the PPP program. The 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 think about the um, we may see almost a quarter of the dollars that were paid out in enhanced unemployment benefits going to foreign nationals. There is so much corruption with this administration. And with this, and with the Democrat leadership, and Americans simply won't—they they, want to know what's going on, and they want somebody held accountable. Amen, Congressman. Thank you so much for joining the program. Glad to be with you today. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. We ask that you please continue to support Breitbart News on all of our social media accounts. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This has been the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.